feels like forever uh, since I've been in crypto. What is it now? Like six years or something or, or seven years. But um, we are extremely early still. Now, part of this is obviously evidenced by the lack of mass adoption. Some people then obviously capitulate and think, oh, look, we still haven't achieved anything useful here. So this industry is not going to work out. I think we're, we're past the point of no, of, of, yeah, we're basically past that. Like crypto will survive. It will be here and it will, it will eventually achieve mass adoption and mainstream. Uh, and I think we just, um, you know. Hey, everybody. Tanner here with Wagme Ventures. On today's episode, we have Louis Schliske, co-founder at Gelato. For anyone who's new, this is the Wagme Ventures podcast, where we do snapshots with interesting builders, founders, and investors from across Web3. Check out wagmeventures.io to learn more about the syndicate behind the podcast. But for now, let's get into it with Lewis at Gelato. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm here today with Lewis Schliske, co-founder at Gelato. Lewis, how are you doing today? What's up? Hello, hello. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. I'm really pumped to chat. Gelato is doing really cool stuff. And so I'm excited to get the chance to dive in a little bit more on what you guys are building over there. So, you know, maybe to start, you know, I think probably elsewhere people can find kind of how you got into crypto. Maybe just for the sake of this conversation, maybe just a little bit of the precursor to what brought you to launching Gelato. What did you see? What were you paying attention to? Kind of origin story of Gelato here. Sure. Yeah. So we started Gelato in 2019. That's my co-founder and me. Basically in, in the midst of the bear market of 2019, which was a brutal bear market, even arguably even worse than the, the current one. Uh, other people might say that it's coming to its end now. Who knows? But yeah, it, it was 2019, early 2019. And Gelato, I mean, both of us had been in crypto already for some years, 2000, since 2016. We were best friends and sort of did some crypto gigs before already and at some point just taught ourselves how to code there was one thing sort of leading up to gelato like me teaching myself how to code for half a year or so and then applying my coding skills my my newly learned coding skills to crypto was obvious for me because i'd already been so interested and in actually working in crypto before i started to code and then gelato just en ended up being the sort of first software project that we that we um, started in, inside crypto and it was the sort of one hit wonder thing where it's like yeah we applied for a grant from gnosis back then in, in berlin they were running this co-working space together with cosmos called full node and uh, yeah they basically asked us to build something for their dutch auction exchange dutch x rest in peace and essentially what we had to do was we had to or at least at least the solution we came up with involved automatically withdrawing from the auction, which essentially means automatically calling a smart contract function. Now, in, in Web2 um, land, this is very easy stuff. You build a, maybe a server for this or whatnot, and, and you just automate this on the server. Very common. Every app you use nowadays, like it's full of automations left and right. But smart contracts can't really do that um, because they run on a blockchain and a blockchain is not an infinite sort of running machine like a server might be. It, it, it has this a constrained block space in the virtual machine where every transaction has to fit into and that's it, right? So you, you cannot really have this running programs. The programs called smart contracts on the blockchain can only consume a certain gas. And that, that was the issue essentially why you didn't really have good automation on blockchains because it was simply not supported. So we discovered that and then realized, wait a second, there's so much more here. Like so many things have to be automated, right? Like Uniswap, for example, right? Everybody goes there and clicks a button to swap. 
But normally on an exchange, you would also place a limit order on Binance or Coinbase, right? Like when right. you trade, you're very used to limit orders. Like, but why didn't they exist on Uniswap? And to this day, even actually on the official Uniswap UI, don't really exist yet. Yeah, th th this was one of the big use cases, but there's so many more protocol upkeep, liquidations, many, many more things, the small minutia of protocols that you as the end user wouldn't even know about, where developers of the application or protocol need so-called keepers, or, or we call them executors, to automatically trigger some functions on the smart contract for everything to work. And that's sort of the or origin of Gelato. We build a decentralized and, and most importantly, trustless way of doing uh, for developers to equip their smart contracts with uh, an off-chain network of nodes that would automate them while not having to give up custody of our funds, while not having to give up their users' private keys. So that was our, the, the main invention of Gelato initially. We were the first smart contract automation protocol that sort of stuck to Web3's core tenets about self-custodianship and so on. Uh, since then, we've become much more than that. We also have our gasless relay. We have our Web3 functions, which allow you to connect to any API off-chain and automate your smart contracts based on data from off-chain. So also bridging the, the, the world between on and off-chain data. And as of two or three months ago, we also have our roll-up as a service. But yeah, that's a mouthful. So yeah, that's the origin story, I guess, and where we are today. Very cool. Okay, super interesting. So I'd love to talk maybe from your perspective as a co-founder. You guys do a lot, right? You have a lot of various ways people can find value from what you built. I'm curious, how do you think about you know, differentiation as you're kind of playing in so many different, I guess you, yeah, I mean, playing in so many different markets, so many different offerings. How do you think about keeping Gelato unique and, you know, keeping the value apparently distinct, like obviously distinct? That's a very good question. I really like that question. And that's a question that as a, as a founder, you have to ask yourself a lot when you plan the long-term strategy of the startup and so on, right? Because yeah, there's always exciting markets to enter and you have to, I think one of the biggest learnings is that it's not about product market fit, I always say. It's actually, you first have to identify the right market for you because you can achieve product market sure. fit in, in, in a shitty market. And I think that's what many founders end up doing. They achieve product market fit, but the market is too small or doesn't make sense or whatnot. So, so I think in terms of differentiation, there definitely is always, I would say, a moving target because if you differentiate yourself, it's only a matter of time until the market and the competition catches up, right? So it's, I would say it's always a constant struggle. You always have to keep the differentiation going. I would say that Gelato is uniquely positioned in the roll-up as a service market. Uh, because there we are, um, have all of the existing service infrastructure that we built over the last four years to really uh, rely upon as well. And it turns out that, for example, our Web3 functions, which we launched almost two years ago, are extremely conducive to the rollup as a service offering. Because uh, guess what? Everybody who launches a rollup chain or pretty much everybody needs an Oracle on there, right? And chaining won't come there, at, at least not from day one. So what people end up using is they use our Web3 functions and together with great new Oracle projects like Pith Network, for example, that are also, by the way, I think now the Oracle provider for a certain synthetics derivatives protocol, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, so these off-chain databases like signed databases like Pith, I think Chainlink actually has recently sort of copied Pith a bit as well and brought their own similar construction where they sign data off-chain that you can use on-chain. And yeah, our Web3 functions are the perfect tool to actually connect to these databases off-chain 
and stream this data to your freshly created rollup on our rollup as a service platform. So there, this and then to our account abstraction tools, our low level relaying tools, like all the experience we have with smart contract automations. These are low level middleware tools that are very useful for developers that let them connect to any third party vendor and, and use that third party vendor. And I think us as a rollup as a service provider, having these tools uh, that we've built over the last four years available um, and sort of enhancing our, our platform and offering with that makes it easier for vendors to be used uh, on these new rollups as, as a service and our own solutions as well. So, so yeah, I think that's a, a great differentiation that we have as compared to other rollup as a service providers who are really starting a bit fresh just with the idea of a rollup as a service and don't really have a lot of their own solutions yet for all of the other problems that developers have, like automation, oracles, connecting to APIs and, and sending data on chain reliably at scale. Yeah. That's, I think, yeah. one of the ones that I'm most excited about today. Yeah, that's fascinating. It, it seems almost like you you happen to be well positioned for that particular product, given where you've been, right? And Absolutely. And it's a coincidence yeah. almost, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting kind of from a strategy perspective, maybe. Hey, everybody, quick thing here. We're excited to announce Wagme Advisory, your home for all things fundraising, hiring, and partnerships. This is all about supercharging your project with the Wagme network consisting of over 20,000 executives, investors, and builders in crypto, all ready to come alongside your project to help it succeed. Get in touch at team at wagmeventures.io to learn more and figure out if Wagme Advisory is the right fit for your project. Now, let's get back to the show. You know, but since we're talking about the rollup as a service, I, I came across just in some of the research, you know, talking about Gelato's sort of native middleware suite that I guess really like enables a, a little bit more of a Web2 like UX for the end user. And I, I was really curious if you could talk more about that because it's a recurring thing that comes up on this podcast, a recurring conversation or recurring point that, you know, I think it's kind of in the ether of the conversation that it needs to get easier to use various applications, various parts of crypto need to get easier, right? And I'm curious, what does that look like in Gelato's case? How do you think about what ease looks like and how do you enable that ease? Yeah, that's a great question. So <clears throat> basically, we have been on the mission to give Web3 developers tools and services that they can leverage to build much better Web3 applications, right? Web3 applications that actually have automation going for them, which again, doesn't work out of the box. Web3 applications that can actually, you know, pay for their users' gas, uh, account abstraction, all of these things, gas abstraction, all the way up to net, uh, network abstraction even. Like we also allow developers to pay for all of their applications, transactions across many networks from just a single balance, our so-called one balance paymaster system. So we have been on this mission. And actually, our newest, our newest release, our rollup as a service platform, some people might think this is a pivot away from that. But as you already mentioned yourself earlier, actually, it all comes together very beautifully. It, it's, in my view, not a pivot. Now, marketing-wise, of course, we're changing some of our labeling. We're changing some of the stuff we put out there to educate people about rollup as a service and so on. But it's, it's really what I discovered is that it's so necessary for all of our services to even make sense and exist in the first place because... If you think about why hasn't Web3 gained mass adoption yet, I think the it's pretty obvious to anyone. Yeah, Just try to explain to a friend of your or your sister or brother or whatever, just onboard them to crypto, right? With MetaMask, with all these applications, all of, all of this. It becomes very apparent very quickly why this thing hasn't been mainstream yet, right? right it's just right. too hard to use, obviously. And not only too hard to use, but also too expensive to use, right? Like gas costs and all of these things. So... So I think we've built tools 
trying to solve this, but ultimately it still always comes down to this stuff doesn't really scale well yet. This is too expensive. Even on Polygon, which is obviously cheaper than Ethereum, if you're actually building a mass adopted application with millions of users or even less, then suddenly Polygon is also expensive if you want to pay for all of their transactions. And I think it's absolutely important that we start completely paying for all of our users' transactions and users I'm talking about because this has to be abstracted away from them. Imagine you watching a Netflix movie and then getting a bill from Netflix's AWS billing account, like billing you for the exact, I don't know, ECT compute instance that you used while you were streaming the movie. It would be horrible, right? It's like, yep. what, what is this? So, 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 and, and the way, the reason we haven't achieved this in Web3 yet is because the technology hasn't scaled yet and it was just too expensive. Now, Rollup as a service here is the key to solving that. The services, account abstraction, all of these things we've built. They don't solve that by themselves. They, ca they cannot make the chain cheaper, right? They can make it easier to use the chain, but ultimately someone still has to be willing to pay for these abstractions, to pay for gas abstraction, account abstraction, all of these things. So that really made us realize that if we go a level lower and we actually use this amazing research, which has been validated in the Ethereum community about rollups and so on, these amazing open source frameworks from Optimism, Polygon, and, and the likes that are, are coming on the market, if we actually lean into that, we can ourselves contribute to a future where blockchain scale, where applications can have their own blockchain, provided that it makes sense, which actually, by the way, is way more than people might think. It's like, I think in 90%, maybe more of the cases, an application should live on its own chain. And yeah, we can actually contribute to that. And now suddenly our services become so much more useful because you can actually now use them and pay for all of your users, sponsor the gas. And you don't have to go bankrupt because you do that, right? Like we give you a solution to do that while also just giving you a very affordable sort of infrastructure bill for your roll-up. And that's, I think, the crux here. It's really, yeah, it's really like this. the sum is, is greater than its parts, if you will. Yeah, fascinating. Okay. So all of this is really, it seems very technically impressive, right? A lot of work going into building uh, what, you, what your team has built. And I'm curious as a co-founder, like, you know, given your professional history, but also, you know, this particular work with Gelato, I'm curious if you have any insight that you could share for maybe any other founders out there listening, kind of about sort of team composition or team building, team selection, really just how you went about building this team to sort of accomplish this vision that sounds like it has evolved over time, but that comes with its own sort of challenges with hiring, right? Absolutely. Again, an interesting question because we just came out of a, a good year, like I would say almost one and a half years of having making a lot of changes in the team, sometimes painfully so. Uh, but one thing you learn as a startup is that, yeah, sometimes the people that you hire early on don't necessarily, like they, they it's not sometimes even that they're bad or so, but they might be super in the early phases of a startup, but then they sort of struggle in struggle with fitting into a bigger organization where there's more rigidness, maybe there's hierarchies and so on. So, sure. so we, we definitely also noticed this. And um, like, I think a good chunk of my, my hours, my work and, and so on during the bear market of the last one and a half years or so was just together with my co-founder looking at, you know, who here in the team is sort of ready for this next stage of, you know, growing beyond 10 people, 15 people, 20 people, 30 people. And beyond sort of, yeah, and there definitely, I think and one thing I learned as a founder is that a lot of my job is literally just people management. It's just understanding 
how are people doing how are they motivated should they you know do they deserve some more compensation should they go are they toxic yeah that's a very hard thing and one thing that i had to learn as a founder is to em embrace that this is part of my job and to enjoy it because there was a time when i was uh, a bit uh, sad because i was didn't have time to code anymore which i really enjoyed and, and i just taught myself right and i gelato became so successful so quickly that I, in my head i was doing like hands-on coding for much longer still and looking forward to that and suddenly uh, i had to run a company right which, which obviously yep. I, I mean is a privileged position to be in but I was like, oh, I was still sort of, oh, my, I was not happy with my days because I didn't push code to GitHub, GitHub anymore. And as as you might notice, my nickname is GitPusher. So right, I was like, right. oh, what am I doing? I'm not coding anymore. And, and and then I was like, not so happy sometimes with my daily work. And, and I've recently completely changed my mindset. I've accepted that as a founder of a company with, you know, a certain amount of people in it, there's simply a point where you cannot be so single issue focused anymore and which you have to be when coding you have to have that laser focus and you have to do other things the things that scale better and, and to be honest i think one of the key components here is team building and really what uh, team building comes down to if you want to be ruthless about it is a very simple mantra uh, which is hire slow and fire fast that means be extremely careful who you hire into your company we now have a new policy that we actually sometimes fly people into New York or Switzerland, wherever our office is, to meet them before we hire them. Because a social test will re reveal so much more about someone than just the skill and, and so on. Obviously, there's other challenges and so on. But in generally, hiring really slow and not just based on challenge assessment. And now hopefully you're doing that. Like at least you should have a very hard challenge. Sure. for skill and so on and ideally you also get some employer references and so on but also do that social test see how people vibe with you and so on that's that will cause your hiring to slow down which is good and then ideally you have to deal with less mass, mess later on yeah and then the other thing is fire fast which again sounds a bit ruthless but yeah when things don't go right like obviously give people chances right like give them a second chance be brutally honest to their face tell them hey look you have to change this and this are you with me? Otherwise, this is the last warning, right? This is fair. Uh, yep. But yeah, sometimes people have behaviors and so on or simply don't fit anymore. And there it's better to act quickly rather than to have like a slow death. And that's also better for the person, I think, to be honest, because demotivation and so on, they will also notice when things aren't going well. And they will also notice when they aren't as productive as other people in the team, when they aren't contributing as much, when they aren't getting as much applause for the work. And that will also wear on them, right? So so yeah, that's my mantra here. It sounds a bit ruthless, but for team building, hire slow, fire fast is one very simple and crude way of expressing, I think, an underlying concept, which is really be careful who you let into your team, really vet them well. And if something isn't going well, give one warning. And then if that isn't heard, if that doesn't change things, uh, be done with it. Yeah. Love it. Great advice. Okay. So I'd love to take a step back. I want to circle back eventually to kind of talk about what are you guys working on right now? But I'm curious... Taking a step back at the for the moment to talk about sort of just the broader crypto space, right? This is kind of an interesting moment. And I'm curious from your perspective, if you could kind of situate us from your perspective of sort of the history and trajectory right now, sort of where we've been and, and where are we going here in crypto? Yeah. So first of all, I think we're extremely early still. That's sometimes easy to forget when you're in the space for so long, because it feels like, I mean, it feels like forever since I've been in crypto. What is it now? Like six years or something or, or seven years? But we are extremely early still. Now, part of this is obviously evidenced by the lack of mass adoption. 
some people then obviously capitulate and think, oh, look, we still haven't achieved anything useful here. So this industry is not going to work out. I think we're, we're past the point of no, of, of, yeah, we're basically past that. Like crypto will survive. It will be here and it will eventually achieve mass adoption and mainstream. And I think we just, you know, not one, I think more like two or three cycles away from that. So it's the early days still. The fact that we still think it's normal to ask people to open MetaMask and price gas and pay for everything, that shows you how embarrassingly early this is actually because we first have to fix that, right? And then we have to yeah. fix the infra, make sure it scales and so on. So I think rollups and rollup as a service are going to be a key turning point for crypto. It, it is going to be a game changer for sure. It, it is also going to lead the next bull market, I'm sure, like app chains, like Infinite, DYDX, I'm sure will also come back to the rollup framework at some point. Like all of these amazing apps will be built. And for the first time, some DEXs and so on will rival with Binance, I'm sure. This is what we will see in the next bull run. But yeah, after that, after that, maybe once we've solved some more identity issues, compliance issues, privacy issues, we can also eventually get legacy banking to, to join the fun and so on. That might still be a bit further out. But yeah, I'm, I'm thinking on a 10 to 20 year horizon here, and then crypto will be the backbone of all financial infrastructure worldwide, trades, um, cross-border settlements, everything. And then maybe even these new exciting things like some form of, I mean, obviously digital assets, digital arts, NFTs and so on, trading company stock and also social things. But yeah, I think the first big step will be getting more legacy financial institutions on board. And for that, we first have to scale the tech better. And then we have to take care of issues like better, better ways to make it compliant and also privacy. Love it. Okay. So kind of a recurring question on this podcast. I'm always curious for founders to come on, you know, if you could kind of go back to the beginning of the, the crypto journey, or, or maybe even like the beginning of the founder journey. I'm curious what advice you might want to impart to yourself kind of from the hard won wisdom you see the world with now. What do you wish you knew? You know, what would you tell sort of younger Lewis? Like, hey, here's some things that are worth paying attention to or worth keeping in mind as you kind of embark on this journey. Uh, there's probably a lot. Although I think... Yeah, it's very hard to give advice here because it's so context specific. So I'm going to be a bit careful with this advice because it always depends on your circumstances, everything around you. Like, what are you, what's your life looking like? What's your, you know, how are you doing mentally, physically, all of these things? So it's very contextual, I would say. And it's also very dependent on your industry. Yeah. One thing maybe in crypto, uh, I think is that it's all about timing, right? You might be in a cycle of the market where you think, oh, I can never raise money with this. I can never build a company here simply because no one is interested in doing that time. And suddenly half a year later, everybody is interested and everybody knocks at your door suddenly and so on. So timing is really important for um, everything really, also for products and so on, of course, right? Like you have to make sure that you don't build the wrong thing at the wrong time. So I would say timing overall timing the markets, making sure that you plan for, you know, for surviving some crypto winters when you cannot raise funds, make, making sure you're not, you don't think that what you're building is useless because of that, because it's markets, the markets don't really think this way. They don't really understand uh, what's useful or not. It's, it's, it's more complica complicated than that, these markets. So, so yeah. And then in terms of actual other advice is tech doesn't matter so much. It of course matters a lot, but it's really a lot about distribution. And a lot about 
product and i think even more importantly than part more important than product is distribution there's another saying i really like which is first time founders think about product second time founders think about distribution and that's actually one learning that i've also made i guess i'm thinking a lot more about how can we actually distribute our services and products how can we actually reach end users uh, with that rather than just focusing on the product and the tech itself so so yeah yeah i think that's one thing don't over optimize the tech don't spend too much time over engineering everything build the mvp the so called mvp the minimum viable thing get it out then into the hands of people into real uh, the hands of real users get feedback everything will change after that so make sure you don't over invest into anything that you th- cooked up in your lab and without getting the feedback there early on and and make sure to fo- not just focus on the tech but actually think about how you're going to distribute this to where it needs to be right okay lewis last question here you know i mentioned i want to circle back on what are you guys doing right now and so i'm curious what do you what is your team working on right now and maybe also what's the best way for people to follow along on the journey yeah so right now we are pretty much very focused on rollup as a service we launched our polygon cdk rollup as a service two months ago and we already have the first public testnet live with astar very cool ecosystem and mostly based in, in in far east asia japan who actually have a very successful polkadot chain and now they decided to also spin up a ethereum rollup so we are helping them with that the test is live and we're going to production with that early next year we also have another polygon cdk rollup coming out that's not yet public but it will be made public soon yeah we're also working with e of course so so we have our op chains that are soon coming to market and yeah, so fully focused on rollup as a service. We want to ha- provide the platform there where a developer finds exactly what they need, whether that's a ZK, ZK rollup or an optimistic rollup or whatever it is, helping them to build the best rollup for their application use case, which actually has many different flavors and variants that I think at this point, many people aren't aware about yet. And that's sort of where our main focus is at. We are still obviously building a lot of features for our pre-existing services, web tree functions, relay, account extraction, all these things. Yeah, and you can best find us on Twitter, I would say, at Gelato Network, Gelato like the Italian ice cream network, and our website, gelato.network. I think that's where you should start. And from there, you will be pointed to any social media or DMs uh, where you can reach us if you want to talk to us personally. Perfect. Lewis, thank you so much for the time. Really fascinating perspective and awesome to get the chance to kind of learn more about what you guys are building and how you see things and where things are going. So have a great start to your week here and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. I really enjoyed that. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Okay. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and maybe give us a good five-star rating and subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts so you can get all the latest conversations with the most interesting crypto founders, investors, and builders from across the world. Thanks so much. Have a good one.